by Magic Financing featuring Mago the Magician. They can help you get auto financing for anything in business for over 32 years. Magic Financing is dedicated to customer satisfaction. If you've got credit issues, they have the answer. No matter what your profile is, they can help. They work with people who have fair, bad, or just terrible credit, repayment history, as well as people who have no money down. That's right, no money down. They're located at 6385 North Federal Boulevard with a great auto inventory. Give them a call at 303-298-1155. That's Magic Financing. Features Mago the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday until 8 and Saturdays till 7. Check them out. That's Magic Financing. Call them today at 303-298-1155. Tell them you heard about it here at KUHSDenver.com. Also visit us at www.magicfinancing.com. Good afternoon and uh, and welcome to the council. It's been a couple of weeks, folks. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello. And I'm so excited to introduce you here very shortly to my guest. Uh, wait till you meet Julie. Uh, she's an inspiration to so many people out there. And uh, the people that she works with over at Gaia, it's just they're, they're blessed to have her. Wait till you get to meet her. Uh, but first, I want to thank my sponsor, MagicFinancing.com. Magic Financing, if you need a car, a used car, new car, if you're having trouble financing a car, these are the people to go to. Go to www.magicfinancing.com. They will help you to find the car of your dreams. Ask for Maurizio. He's, a, he's an old friend, old family friend of ours, and he will help you if you're having any kind of financial trouble. These are the guys that will take care of you and get you in a car of your dreams. So go to magicfinancing.com. Also, I want to make a quick, uh, you know, I've got to promote my little book here. I've got uh, Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Uh, this is a book that I wrote uh, a few years ago, and I finally got it published, and it's really about, it's a self-help book for the soul. It's to help people to connect to that deeper part of themselves, that sense of, uh, that essence that drives them, that moves them, that often gets clouded over in our busy lives, and it's a book that helps you to get to the essence of the truths of some spiritual masters and philosophers and teachers that were dedicated to their lives to understanding what moves the soul. How do we cultivate it? How do we understand what truth is? Because when you're on a spiritual path or you're on a, on a path of deeper understanding, it's a path of truth and it's a path of self-knowledge. And this little book here helps you to get there. Uh, you're going to meet six masters in this book. You'll meet Socrates, you'll meet Ezekiel, you'll meet Lao Tzu, you'll meet the Buddha, you'll meet some Greek playwrights, you're going to meet also the mystics of the Upanishads to give you a greater sense of the mystical nature of your own soul and how all these different traditions were able to identify these, these, these inner callings, these inner essences. And they didn't have any contact with each other during this time. It, it, it focuses on nine, uh, a period called the Axial Age, which is from 900 B.C. to 200 B.C., and all these areas were experiencing conflict and violence and suffering and pain. And so they were trying to find a way to help alleviate that suffering, to move through that suffering to reach enlightenment, to reach some deeper understanding. And very often we have to go through suffering to get to enlightenment. And uh, many times that shows up in our lives as 
Dark Night of the Souls, or just trials and tribulations. So check the book out. It's Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. You can buy it at bookbaby.com, storebookbaby.com. You can buy it on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. You can get it in paperback or ebook. And uh, we're going to be having some workshops here soon with this book, as well as doing some other things. So stay tuned. Uh, Again, it's Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Um, I want your book. You want your book? Yes, (laughs) I'm going to buy your book. (laughs) Well, I want your book, too. I can't. Because we'll do a little swap here and all that. Uh, Julie and I met, uh, gosh, what was it? A couple, uh, it was about in August. It was a few months ago. Yeah. And we were, I, I'd gone to the Gaia Sphere. Gaia is a, is a, is a place that's really, it's, a, it's an anchor in the world to spread the evolution of consciousness, to bring people into that sense of spirituality. It's like, Gaia is like the Netflix, Netflix of spirituality. If, you want, if you're really diving into and you want to opening yourself up to uh, your own personal journey, Gaia is really, I think, one of the places to go to. And Julie and I met there. I went to go to a Carolyn Mace um, a workshop that she was doing there. Yeah. And we met right away, right? We did. And I liked you right off the bat. <laughs> and then I asked Charlie, can I interview you? <laughs> she did. She asked me, like, right away if she could interview me. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to get situated and, and, and figure where I'm at and meeting people. And I just, uh, we had an immediate uh, connection and uh, her light and shines bright and I didn't even know any, everything about Julie yet but let me just kind of give you a, um, a, a an indication of, of the depth and profound spirit that uh, of the woman that's sitting here next to me uh, she is has been one of the most sought-after transformational speakers she was electrifying audiences of thousands with her passion for health and creativity and for healing the split between making a living and making a difference by following our soul's true calling. Uh, Julie became an entrepreneur with the Japanese health and wellness company, uh, Nikin, to spread the understanding and use of energy wellness to the powerful, powerfully transformative model of network uh, marketing. She was the fastest woman to reach the top leadership position named Royal Diamond and was consultant of the year in 2012 and the heart of Nikin recipient of 2014. Uh, she has expanded her global reach and now currently works with the worldwide consciousness streaming video company, Gaia. And her knowledge and experience is perfectly suited to help expand the growth of Gaia rapidly through implementing the Gaia Rewards Initiative and coaching key Gaia advocates and ambassadors. Gaia's vision is to empower the evolution of consciousness and this, of course, is in perfect alignment with Julie's own purpose and mission in life. That is true. And she is passionate also about empowering women to become the bright, passionate wisdom leaders that our world is calling for. And to this end, she's recently launched Terra Transformations, her personal coaching business. And she's also an award-winning author, which we're going to get to here in a moment, uh, her poetry book, Songs of Gaia. And that can be ordered at any bookstore. And she lives in these beautiful mountains of Boulder, Colorado, and is a proud mother of three wonderful children, all in the healing fields. I mean, amazing. I love them more than life itself. It's fantastic to have three kids that all went into the healing world, yeah, in different ways, too. That's amazing. And and you were able to do all this stuff as a mother. 
right? I mean, how were you able to accomplish and do all these things and still be, uh, you know, you raising um, three children? <laughs> It's a balancing act. <laughs> it's like the trapeze. Did you see me on the trapeze? I did I see that picture on the trapeze. You. Yeah, you have to learn how to balance things well and uh, cut away the things that are superfluous so that you can really focus on the things that are essential. Mm. And of course, my kids always came first as, as they grow up. And I was a full time mom for a while, which I treasured and loved for the first 10 years of, of their lives. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then I started going into my energy healing work and and other aspects of healing and just had to balance it out and would have conversations with my husband saying, how about you cook dinner for the next little while while I go out and build this Negan business and stuff <laughs> like that. So we'd have fun conversations like that about, you know, what was it worth for me to clean for two hours or to go out and network and help people and build a business. So Well, so you've been a spiritual entrepreneur for most of your life, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. You're, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're, Flying by the seat of my pants. Right. <laughs> Well, I think it's, you know, and, and you, you've given speeches to thousands of people and presentations. And, and your focus has always, I mean, from what I understand, has been helping people to reestablish their harmony, their individual harmony with the universe. Yes. How do we reestablish that harmony that you have spoken mm. to so many people about? It's, it's a really, it's a big question, yeah, obviously. A, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to that. But... Um, I think, you know, starting with the big contextual uh, ideas is that we are part of a universe and actually part of a multiverse that is all connected. And it's, it's really like a symphony. It's all in harmony. It's all happening. When we get out of health or in dis-ease, it's because we've lost the harmonics. We've lost our innate song that fits into that. Mm. If you think of an orchestra, you know, maybe you're a cello, maybe you're a clarinet. You know, maybe you're a violin. Maybe I'm the double bass, you know? <laughs> that would be funny. Well, uh, funny. <laughs> but maybe a piccolo. <laughs> so um, it's, it's learning how to find our way back. And there are tools to that, both on the macroscopic level, mm -hmm. like astrology and understanding your, your positional state in the stars and when you were born and so forth. And then there's the microscopic level of what are you going to eat for lunch today. Mm. So there's all aspects of it. It's amazing. And, you know, I think uh, I, I try to find myself to be in harmony. And one of the, my favorite uh, uh, philosophers is Marcus Aurelius. Yes. And he says, uh, if you are in harmony with, if you, if you want to find your harmony within yourself, you are in harmony with the entire universe. Yes. And yes. It, but it's a process to be able to learn how to do that. Yes. And to get to that place, right? Because we're entrained right. to not be in harmony, yeah. I mean, unfortunately. We are so entrained, so you have to come back to your own truth over and over again. Yeah. To thine own self be true. To oh. thine own heart be true. Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love it. That was one of the best things that he ever wrote, I think. To thine own self be true, and thou cannot be false to any man or woman if you're, if you're true to yourself. Yes. Right? Yes. Now, you also, I mean, you have such a, an amazing story. And I wanted to highlight some of your, your, your time when you, were, when you were a child. You know, how you, uh, you were involved with uh, um, the dancing, right? You were, mm -hmm. you, you were a ballet dancer mm -hmm. for a number of years. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you share a little bit about your formative years and, and what sure. inspired you and, you know, and what your childhood was like? It was a very mixed bag, my childhood. Um, <clears throat> I do have, a, luckily, a very early, early memory that has stayed with me like a North Star throughout my life. 
that memory, people wouldn't even believe it was, I must have been around four months old, mm -hmm. pre-verbal, uh, laying on my back uh, on, in my pram, I'm assuming, because I saw that in pictures later, and I looked up and I remember seeing the sun filtering through the trees and I remember hearing the birds and <clears throat> I remember having this experience of, of beauty. Mm. And I remembered, oh, I'm not from here, but I've come here on a mission. Mm. I've agreed to this mission. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with this. I'm good with this. And that, when things have gotten really hard, has always stayed with me. Don't forget, Julie, you're on a mission. Mm -hmm. You agreed to come. You agreed to do this thing. Mm -hmm. So that's helped me a lot. Um, <clears throat> my childhood, I started ballet at three. I started performing at seven. I left home at 10 to go to the Royal Ballet School in London and boarded there. So boarding school from 10 to 15. And then at 15, I lived alone in London in my own flat wow. and, and worked for another three years at the school, the upper school. Uh, dancing with the Royal Ballet and then Dutch National Ballet, the Royal Opera, Dutch National Opera, and it was it was fabulous. It was supreme. There's a, a lot I could talk about with that, um, but connecting in, or I would say paradoxical to that, my childhood was very scary. Mm. My mother was very very ill throughout my life, and she ended up taking a tremendous amount of drugs and then opiates and uh, got very, very sick. Mm. Know, mental hospitals, so I ended up you know, visiting her mental hospital. She had shock treatments. She didn't remember who she was. She didn't remember who we were. Wow. She started sleeping with not, you know, kitchen knives under her pillow. And I was like, one day she's gonna forget who I am. Mm -hmm. And it got really frightening. And um, <clears throat> to the point I knew I had to leave you know, in distance because she was the person I loved more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to help her. Yeah. I just wanted to help her. And I just, all I knew was, mommy, let's go in nature. Mommy, you'll feel better if we walk by the river and we get the sunshine. And I always knew nature was healing. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when you're terribly depressed and you're an, you know, heroin addict, basically, pethidin, mm -hmm. um, you lay in bed and you cry and you don't want to go out in the sun. Was this a pivotal moment in your life? Uh, um, the pivotal moment came a little later. I mean, I realized, you know, that I was in danger. I always went to nature to feel safe. So I have this huge connection to nature that you'll hear about throughout today. Um, and there was a moment, and it was funny, actually. It was kind of humorous because it was in Dutch National Ballet. We were, we were on tour in this um, town called Scheveningen. And uh, I happened to be reading Solzhenitsyn. I read a lot of Solzhenitsyn's mm. book. I, I love to read. And it was called Cancer Ward. And I was uh, taking a break in between acts. And I was sitting reading. And I asked a question in my mind, or maybe in my heart. Mm -hmm. Why do we suffer so much? Because my mother suffered so much. And I suffered because she suffered. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help her. And this voice came clear as a bell. I'll never forget it. And the voice said very clearly, but very gently, your life is about healing. Mm. Mm. And literally, I thought that's true. And I closed the book. And I left the company. Within two weeks, I broke my contract. Wow. I left Dutch National Ballet. I said, I gotta go, heal, gotta go do healing. Gotta go find <laughs> what, what, what is healing. And I went back to London and started studying microbiotics, which was really studying the laws of the universe, the order of the universe, from the big contextual place down to 
that very next moment. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, never really looked back. Although I still dance a lot. <laughs> and I still do yoga well, and Pilates you. and everything else. But. Well, you should never, I don't think you should ever lose those things that make your, your, your heart sing. Yeah. yeah, they make your soul sing. I mean, we, even those things that we do in our childhood. You know, I was, a, I was in acting and performing and all that. And when I got away from it, it was like my, my soul was hurt, you know? It was yes. like I was missing something. I was, I was drowning out the artist in me and the creative part of me. And so I, I had to learn that you don't drown those, you don't forget those things. You incorporate, you bring those things back in. Yes. And, you know, I think it's so, it, it's so important for people to be able to understand that uh, and when you're following your heart's calling and your soul's calling, you get messages like that. Mm-hmm. You get things that are out of the ordinary that just that. And sometimes it comes when you're in pain mm-hmm. or you're seeing somebody else in pain or yeah. you're in a crisis moment and you don't know what to go. And then all of a sudden you get I'm supposed to be a healer or I'm supposed to be a teacher or I'm supposed yeah. to be, you know, uh, you know, running for office somewhere or whatever. It's like very it's, direct. It's, a direct. it's almost hit, like a right? two by four, but not quite. <laughs> it's not a little nicer than that usually, but it's a spiritual it's a, it's, two by four. But it's right? about the listening and going. That's right, and yeah. and that uh, uh, immediate recognition that that's true. That's mm-hmm. the truth, and you can feel that in your body when something's really true. You align with it. And you just, you know, that you know that you know mm-hmm. that this is the way forward, you know. And it's funny because I came from a whole family of doctors. My father was a very famous doctor. My stepfather was the Cambridge GP in England, you know, the main guy. Uh, all my stepbrothers were doctors. Mm-hmm. I came from Western medicine. But when I would hear all these diagnoses of, with my mother, the, the, the bipolar, the schizophrenia, the, you know, you know mm-hmm. manic, paranoid, and everything else you could imagine, I kept looking in the cupboard and watching her take all those pills. And I kept thinking, you know, if you just weren't taking all those pills, you might be feeling an awful lot better. And I never really believed it. Mm-hmm. I never really believed it. And I still, to this day, just think, actually, she became a drug addict, yeah. is what really happened. And so sad. She was so talented. She was an actor, singer, mm-hmm. piano player, amazing, like, you know, triple threat, top of her world, the Royal Academy of Arts. You know, she was a very brilliant woman. And that genius, you know, maybe at that time it didn't didn't have a lot of outlet, perhaps, and three kids herself, and mm. uh, she just got derailed. So, I I think the message I learned was, you know, know your intuition and follow that inner voice that says, you know, maybe not, because my dad said to me, you're probably going to get this too. Oh and wow! And he was a doctor, and I was like, Dad, how dare you say such a thing to me? I will not. You know, and it was like just coming back to my own authenticity of being yeah. and saying, I'm not going to accept that genetically I might have mental illness because my mother's been termed a person with mental illness. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. And I was furious with him for laying that on me. Yeah. Like, what a trip. Well, and sometimes our parents do that to us where they, uh, <clears throat> you know, because they're not able to consciously heal or handle what's going on with them they they end up passing it down into the gen- next generation yeah. and then we think well because uh, they have it i must have it too and that's not it's not predetermined that way it is if you believe it it is yeah. if you fall into that pattern yeah. and also i think you know when you were talking and it's so it, it breaks my heart to hear what what happened with your mom mm-hmm. but we sometimes think that something outside of us is going to fix us yes 
You know, yes. like another pill is going to fix us. Uh, another person, human being, giving is going to fix us. Giving your authority over. That's yeah. what I saw. Giving your sovereignty of being over. The person I've learned the most from is my mom. Mm. You know, because she gave her sovereignty of being over to doctors. She felt they could help her, they could heal her, and trusted them implicitly. And, and, and so I learned from that, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to not do that. Not that I don't listen. If you have advice me, I will listen open-mindedly, mm -hmm. but I won't give my authority of being yeah. over to you yeah. or anyone. And, and that's really what I learned. So, I mean, she's been my great teacher, and I l love her so much. She's passed on now, but I love her so much, and I thank her every day for the lessons she gave me. I don't want to cry, but, you know, <laughs> around... You know, understanding the preciousness of, of life, yeah. the preciousness of my life, the preciousness of your life, the preciousness of your life, and, and to not squander it mm -hmm. and to not give it away to somebody else who doesn't have the same care of your life that you have for your life. Yeah. You know, that's the biggest lesson. Uh. You know, our lessons sometimes are the, the, where we, we, we learn these deep, you know, uh, we don't see it when we're in the middle uh, of the lesson. It's hard for us to be able to see it. But when we're able to get back from it and you get a few years, you see the value of those experiences and how rewarding and enriching they are. Um, and if you can just stay the path, stay the course, and believe in yourself enough and not allow yourself to be drawn into anything that doesn't align with your heart, that doesn't align with your soul, uh, I believe you can overcome anything. Yes, and I think we, we overcome it not just within ourselves, but having tr you know the sense of um, trust and faith in the universe. Uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Einstein, where he says, you know, this most important question ever you could ask yourself is, is the universe a friendly place <laughs> or not? <laughs> and when I read, I was like, I, I really need to investigate this. <laughs> what do I really believe about that? Right. And of course, as a kid, I was like, this universe is scary as anything. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my own mother, the person I love the most. Mm. I'm afraid she's going to come and chop me up in the night with the knives. Mm. And uh, so, but I always would hear this little whisper saying, it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. You're all right. You're, you are safe, you know, so. No, well, it was this, you also have an interesting uh, story where, I mean, all this was happening, but you, you, you ran away, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> you ran away to join a circus, right? Did I you did. <laughs> I did run away to <laughs> join, join a circus. And then the, I ran away Mexico, from the circus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was peculiar. So, so after, after I let go of ballet, and that was a big let go, it was the one thing I really knew how to do. I was really good at it. I was, you know, doing solo work. I mean, it wasn't wasn't like I was failing in there, um, and I was very dedicated, but once I had that, you know, clear directive, you know, your life's about healing, and I started the healing work, um, I was still, I, I took a year off dancing, and then I started back again, and then one day I was dancing in the Pineapple Dance Studios, it's a famous place in London, and this woman was watching, and um, oh, but prior, as I walked to the studio, I looked in this travel agency, and it had this picture of Mexico, and I was like, oh, I'd love to go to Mexico, and of course it was raining, London's always raining, and I don't have any money to go to Mexico, but how I would love to go to Mexico. It was just a thought, right? Went to the class, danced. There's this woman watching. And at the end of the class, I come out and she goes, how, I have a question for you. How would you like to go to Mexico? Uh -huh. And I said, what? 
And she said, I'm recruiting for a circus. We take the best dancers we can find, and you're the best here, and I would like to offer you a job in Mexico. The circus, and I was like, when do I start? She was like, I think it was like two two weeks ahead, and Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm actually up for an acting part at the London Film School, so I have to decide which to go for, and I decided, what the heck? Break out of this ballet mold, this more than proper mold, and let's see what happens at the circus. And so I went to the circus. <laughs> went to the circus in Mexico. Traveled around Mexico. It was a great circus. It was sort of like Cirque du Soleil, but earlier version. Uh-huh. Not as not as fancy, not as big, not as good. But great, and the thrust stage, and uh, and I was the magician's assistant. I got uh-huh. cut up in pieces. Wow. I still have a scar from that. I have a Ooh, scar really? the first time I did the trick, and I didn't do it quickly enough. I didn't move, and the sword went straight in my shoulder. <clears throat> it was a rapier, wow. thin sword, but right in, and didn't come out the other side. But um, yeah, so needless to say, the curtains closed. <laughs> I came off with blood on my running down my back. But um, that's really being dedicated to your, your performance in the TV yeah, show. Crazy. Right? And then We're we did dances stage. from around the world, yeah. and then we had tigers, and the tigers escaped one time. Two of our tigers escaped, uh-huh. and I was thrilled <laughs> because I loved those tigers so much. I used yeah. to go talk to them early in the morning and hang yeah. out with them, and. When they escaped, it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. I, I saw them, like, just running free mm. uh, in the hills of Chihuahua. I'll never forget it. Chihuahua is so beautiful, the hills there, the mountains. Well, really hills. And um, there they are running. And I started crying. Everybody's mm. screaming. Tigers are escaped. I'm like, go, go, tigers. And what I learned from that experience was those tigers had been in a cage for a long time. Of course, they came out on stage for the acts and went back to the cage. Mm -hmm. But they never forgot how to run free because they knew instinctively how to just belt it Mm -hmm. when they went. And I thought, that's like us. Mm -hmm. We are often in cages, cages usually of our own mind, Mm -hmm. cages Mm -hmm. of a closed heart, cages of the spirit collapsing. But we never forget that we can run free. And and that was my great learn mm. that day. And I was like, I got it. We, as human beings, can always find our way back to that freedom. Well, and it's, it's, uh, it's instinctual in us as well. And it's life informs us. Life is informing us all the time about the things that our spirit wants to know. Yes. It is. And so when you have an experience like that, it is calling you as well to break free from your cage. Yes. And to run free as well, and we see that in our lives. There was a <clears throat> recently there was a, a an experience where I had this golden eagle that came across like the house. My brother and I were watching this happen, and we're just talking. And I mean, it was a golden eagle in the middle of uh, Denver. What was a golden eagle doing in the middle of Denver? And it swooped right down on the house, and then it came up on top of the uh, of the tree, mm. and there's messages in those in those experiences and if you can get it it's it's a huge message and it's informing all the time life is doing that all the time and you know i think it's learning how to be able to listen to yourself is one of the biggest things that i think you know is really key to being able to follow your dreams really being able to follow and daring to dream you know because Life has, has enclosed around us so much that we don't even know how to listen to that, that inner voice that tells us, try this, try this, do this, just try that, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, absolutely. 
because I think we are in conversation with the universe all the time. Mm -hmm. n n not just with each other as humans, but with animal kingdom. Like a, like a golden eagle coming, that's a huge blessing. So this is, yeah, you know, yeah. the great spirit in the Native American tradition. Mm -hmm. So I've always listened to animals, always listened to the trees, always listen what's being asked of me mm -hmm. when I'm out in nature, which is, is such a clue when you're going through hard times to get out in nature and, and just be quiet and listen. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're hiking, but you're quietly listening, you know. Is that what nature healing is all about? Because you'd have, uh, you ended up getting into, after you, you had this epiphany, yes. this moment of inspiration, you ended up going into, and, and you, you, you went away from the arts for a little while, uh, and then you went into the healing, and you studied, uh, what, you studied shamanism, you studied... Uh, uh, organic foods, you studied uh, energy healing and all these different <laughs> things, right? And then I would bring them into my practice. So uh -huh. I started a practice doing energy healing, shamanic work with people. I really loved it. And then felt that it was a little too slow, one-on-one. -on -one. It was yeah. just I wanted, I wanted to heal and a, and a help the healing of the planet on a, on a larger scale. And, uh, and so then, then my husband and I started this healing center in Estes Park in Colorado. That's how we got here from actually Miami. I took the map, I took a pendulum, and I said, I know we're supposed to start a healing center, where? Uh -huh. And I let the pendulum tell me, and there were three possibilities, and we picked the Boulder area and ended up with this healing center in Estes Park in 1989. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago <laughs> Long now. time ago, right? Mm -hmm. Early adopters. If you're an early adopter, and I bet many of you are, it's a great thing and it's a challenging thing because most people just don't quite get what you're doing. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> so you started this uh, this healing center in 19... I mean, you were way ahead of the game. I mean, because people were just starting to open up to that, uh, that, that, that psychic field and the emotional field and uh, yes. that intuitiveness and, and doing all that... And so you, how did that work out for you with, uh, was it a challenge? <laughs> it, was, was it, it, was, it was a big dream. Was it, a, yeah. it was a big dream. It was a very bold dream. Yeah. And we really went for it with all our gusto with one other couple. So there were four of us. And, uh, you know, we had people investing in us, you know, as angel investors. And <clears throat> we really were undercapitalized. And our overhead was enormous. Even then, mm. our, just the place itself, 15 acres with organic food restaurant and all these beautiful cabins and a conference center. You know, it was 8000 a month. Just that. Just oh, wow. that. You know, so it, it was the restaurant that we had trouble with mm -hmm. because during the winter months, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have the ability to advertise and market the way we can today. Mm -hmm. So it was it was challenging. But I loved it. And I was um, director of the healing and arts, you know, arts and healing program. So I was doing five rhythms, dance, yoga, mm -hmm. uh, bringing in people to teach about painting and how it can heal music and how it heals. It was gorgeous. And. Um, but but we did end up closing the doors after a bit, and uh, it was very sad, and it was a real crash. You know, it was one mm -hmm. of those very um, deep, soulful, difficult times, and um, <clears throat> things got really hard. My husband and I have six children. Uh, wow. He had three from prior. I should say my 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 former husband now. Somebody <laughs> said the other day, you should never say ex. I was like, I didn't know that. Former <laughs> husband. Um, and then we had three together. Mm -hmm. So you know, we were responsible for two child support payments and and all three. And it got scary, you know, and doing energy healing work wasn't really bringing him very much. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I kind of bottomed out and uh, just really wept one day in the car as I was driving. And I just was like, please show me what I'm here to do. I know it's about healing. I, I can't pay our rent. We were three months late in rent. 
And uh, <clears throat> I sort of said, I'll do whatever you say. You know, if you want me to, you know, do sandwiches for school lunches, I'll do that or drive a school bus. You know, just show me the way so I can protect my children and, um, you know, mm. be safe. You know, just the basics. And, and sure enough, you know, and I agree to kind of in my mind, I'll look at anything, mm -hmm. anything you show me. Because I think our minds, we make up stories about what we should do and who we are and, and all of this. And it's just identity ideas that mm -hmm. can be calcifying. So I wanted to break out of that. So I was like, if, if you show me the right thing, I, I promise I will look and, and, and probably do it. I'll surrender. It was a really major surrender, actually. Mm -hmm. And then somebody showed me Nikan, and I was like, I suddenly got it about energy technologies for a modern world. I thought, these are survival aids. We didn't even have 4G or 5G as we're having rollout now, which is very serious. I'm not going to go into it, but it's a very serious <laughs> issue. And these were technologies to bring nature into your home. <clears throat> Magnetic fields of the earth, far infrared technology of the sun. Negative ion technology that's uplifting emotion. Simple things that people could use every day. And I was like, that's it. That's a way to help heal so many people and fast, and especially through referral marketing. You can really spread the word much quicker. And so the whole thing lined up for me, and I got very excited and left that meeting and literally said to the universe, is this what you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And I heard a yes. And I think that's such a great uh, example of when you hit a, um, like, like a dead end in your life. Mm -hmm. When something that you put all your effort and energy into and you're, you, you believe this is what you're called to do. And, you're, and maybe you're called to do it in that moment. That's what you are supposed to do. Yep. Uh, because you're supposed to get something from that is to help build your skill sets, to help build your, your confidence, your esteem, whatever it may be. But then you hit a dead end. And that can be a scary moment because now all of a sudden you don't know where you're going. You don't know if uh, you were listening right or if you were, you know, everybody's going to say these things about me. You start your mind starts playing games with you and you start questioning whether or not what you did was the right thing. And to be able to trust, to be able to trust. All right. This is what's happened. There's going to be another direction. I just got to trust the unknown a little bit. Yes. Uh, and because very often we'll want to go into the, we start feeling fear and we'll, we want to go to the known. We want to go back to what's familiar. We want to go back yes. to what's uh, <laughs> comforting. We want to, and to stay in that place and to trust, I think is such a, be a brilliant, beautiful example to not give up on, the, on your soul's dreams. I, I think that's really true, and I think we all come to those places, and it's sort of like when you're driving at night and your headlights show just the next little bit, but the headlights don't shine the path all the way down to where you're going. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't know, and, and that was a very defining moment when I asked, is this what you want me to do? And it was like, yes, and, and then the second question I had was, if I do this, can I be successful? Because I really needed success for my children. Yeah. And... And really, it was for them. And, and the answer was yes. And that's all I had, two yeses, nothing else, no explanations. But I went home and I was like, this is what I found. I got a yes. I got two yeses. <laughs> I got two yeses. And that's I told so my right. kid, I'm going to change our lives. It's going to take me a year. Uh -huh. And I asked my husband, I said, just all I ask of you, please, is please just don't get in my way. Mm. Because when, when you're very close to someone, they're the person you're most susceptible to, especially your partner. And if he was going to negate it all the way, it would have meant it would be very difficult for me. Did you so, ever experience like competition, jealousy, those kinds of things? Yes. I mean, I experienced those things in my partner, early partnerships as well. 
And if you're not able to allow somebody's spirit to blossom, if you allow somebody else's spirit to blossom, man or woman that you're partnered with, they have so much more to give into the relationship. They have so much more to give you back. And sometimes people, and, and men can feel that way when they see an empowered woman. <clears throat> you know, that, oh, I, there's something wrong with me. No, no, allow that to flower and blossom because it's going to feed you as well. Yeah. And you're both going to be able to do that. But we make That's mistakes true. in our relationships when we yeah, try we, to compete. And, we do. That's yeah. a really, really great point. And, and we went through a lot of that, mm. you know. And, uh, you know, because I think it is scary when one of a partnership suddenly takes off like a rocket. Mm-hmm. It, it is disturbing to the other because it's changing up every everything. And, you know, yeah, within a year I was out earning him three to one. You know, I was making like eight, nine thousand a month. And well, you developed. Boom. It was <laughs> I mean, tricky for it was us. tricky, and, but you developed. I mean, this is a, a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. I mean, a multi... Uh, I didn't. The universe the and universe. I conspired with yes. the right human beings and co-creatively we did it. So we how, did it. how did you do that? What was it? What was, the, what was the secret to your success? I think it was the passion of helping others. It's always been. Yeah. The passion of helping others, the desire to help people not have a life like my mom, yeah. right? Or, or ha- having a child lose a mother because of that sort of a story. So that's really what fueled me, and I've always thought globally, so this was a way to make a global impact, mm-hmm. which was exciting to me, and it was all about uplifting others. It wasn't really about me at all. I was just a facilitator of upliftment, right. and, that, and that felt safe to me because I didn't like it to be about me. That didn't feel comfortable. Um, and it's the same with you know speaking on stage or whatever is, is yes, I take notes, and yes, I think about it ahead of time, but... But then it's like putting it all to the side and allowing what needs to be said in that moment to those beloved beings right then and there. That's what's going to come through, and it's trusting that. And for me, that's like dancing with God. It is. It's just dancing with God, and it's just like letting go and letting it happen and not worrying because it's not about the little Julie Mm -hmm. ever. It and I think that's the key. Is. That's such a big, big point right there. It is not about your small self. Nope. If you it, that turns into narcissism, that turns into you know, being the center of the world. Everything is a reflection on me. But yeah. when you're going into this, is not about me. This is about how I can be in service to others. That I'm getting outside of myself. How does this uplift everybody? Yeah. You know, being able to be to do things on the for the benefit of everyone, for the benefit of the whole. For yeah. the benefit of the people who are suffering, how can I help them? That's right. And yeah. then you're connected. You're connected in with others. You're not alone. You're mm-hmm. with others, and you're assisting. And it literally just went like wildfire, mm-hmm. you know, from a person next door who I helped, you know, with some issue that she had to the next person. And, and suddenly their business was sprouting in England and then in Bulgaria and then in Russia and then in Israel and then in Australia. And it was like, I think my business went into like over 25 countries and, you know, yeah, there was, a, there was a reciprocity in that the company, you know, paid you well to be a leader. And the leadership thing, I'd only learned that in boarding school. Because, right. honestly, in boarding school from 10 to 15, I was like, I'm either going to die here 
or, or, or I got to shake this up. And so it became the leader, but not the leader in, in terms of, of power over ever or, or mm-hmm. bossiness. No, it was a leader in terms of, hey, gang, let's do something. Let's go and, you know, do a midnight feast. Let's go to the kitchens and steal some food, <laughs> steal, you know, and take it up and have mm-hmm. a midnight feast as if, as if the teachers didn't know. And <laughs> so I was always getting in trouble, but never for bad things. I never did things that were harmful, but just naughty things impish things mm-hmm. you know let's let's go into the boys block you know which of course we were out of bounds the boys block and the girls block never should the two meet right. except on the dance floor and <laughs> and so I was like always getting in trouble so that's how I kind of learned leadership is just I have fun mm-hmm. and joy and joy I mean in terms of anything making money or just doing your life's calling if you have joy that's flowing through you it's just fun and then things go well and it's contagious it is, it is so contagious. contagious. I mean, contagious. it really is. It's a lot. You. <laughs> you are. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm humbled by that. Thank you. you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is. It's contagious. And then you want to work for somebody like that. You want it to succeed. You build on that. Yeah. And it helps everybody. And, and not only that, but you're helping other people at the same time. So it's, it's a balanced reciprocity. It's equal. And so, of course, it's going to grow in those ways. And you traveled all over. You traveled all over Europe and yep. Asia. By right? myself. By yourself. Yep. yep. Except I'd meet people at the other end, which was really nice. Uh-huh. And then they'd take me to where we needed to go for lectures and whatever and teachings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a privilege because mm-hmm. I got to see how other people live. And, I mean, it was incredibly moving. Uh, there was I, so many stories I can even begin to tell mm-hmm. you. But, you know, from Moscow to St. Petersburg to, you know, Tel Aviv to... Um, going to Yav Hashem, there's so many stories of mm-hmm. things I learned and the compassion that grew and grew in my heart for what humanity has gone through, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention our planet and our wildlife and our ecosystem, mm-hmm. but, you know, what human beings have gone through and, um, well, I mean, yeah. Traveling does that. Yeah. I've had opportunities to travel. You know, I, I think when I was a young man, I wasn't, uh, <clears throat> I was pretty self-absorbed and just thinking. Of, and then I had an opportunity to go to Thailand and, and to, to see some extraordinary poverty. Yes. Poverty that I never, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I went to Brazil and I saw more extraordinary poverty. And then I saw some of the things and I worked for a, a human rights agency for a, a, about a year that was to help uh, try to bring attention to the, the child sex slave trade in Southeast Asia. And all of a sudden you start waking up to some of the things that are the people that are, and you're like, wow, yeah. we've got to be a counterbalance to this pain and this suffering and this starvation and this, uh, the, the, these calamities that happen to people. We've got to find a way to be the, the counterbalance to that. Yeah. And, and it's not being a Pollyanna either. No, 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 it's, no, no, it's, no, no. It's just keep the vibration high to help lift mm-hmm. others out of the, you know, out of the lower vibrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the greatest teachings I have with that was Robin Williams' film that he made called What Dreams May Come. Oh, I love that. And I yeah. cried and cried throughout that because, yeah. you know, when others struggle, you want to go down and, and, and to help. You think that by going down into their pit of hell you will help but actually your higher vibration will help lift them up far mm-hmm. more than you going down there and and that was the only film I think I've ever seen that really articulated that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. to such a degree that I was just like wow this this is what I learned you know with my mom was mm-hmm. that the more I suffered with her the less I was able to help her oh wow that's so mm-hmm. big but that I was so still big. compassionate yeah. 
but I wanted to lift her. So I think through being an example, when you're an example to others, if, if we can be, and we can't always be because no. we're all going to mess up because yeah. we're human. Um, but when we can be an example, it, it really helps lift others. Oh, I so agree. And, you know, and we all experience it. And sometimes when you're seeing people suffer, you want to go down there, and then you end up falling in, and you get stuck yes. down, down there too. And uh, if you're an empathic person or you, you tend to absorb other people's issues because you want, it, you want them to feel better, and then you're, yes. you're, you're buried underneath all of that pain. Yes. And we all go through a dark night of the soul. Um, and, you know, I went through a couple different dark nights, and I know you went through a dark night as well, um, mm. right before you landed at Gaia. And I, be, you know, I, mm. I kind of want to get in Gaia here just a second, but I want to yeah. kind of um, bring in this dark night that you, that you experienced because I think it can be so helpful to people who are trying to follow their soul's calling mm. and are trying to dare to dream, but uh-oh. Yeah. So yeah. could you share a little bit about how you were able yeah, to get through that? It, it was strange because I had a premonition that things were going to shift and mm -hmm. change, but I ignored it. Mm -hmm. And that's something, a big learning f for me, maybe for you, is, is just letting go of things when it's time. Uh, and, and, you know, not honoring when it isn't, it isn't, it's difficult. Like if you just hang on and hang on, relationship or... Mm -hmm birthing my first child, 84 hours of labor. I mean, who does that? I mean, I'm so stubborn. I was like, no, 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 I can do this thing naturally, but actually I couldn't, you know? And, right. you know, it's like you have to recognize and things. So I had an, an, an inkling or an intuitive hit, but I ignored it. And so things um, unexpectedly happened with the company I was working with and just uh, countries would close down rapidly, you know, within, within days, within weeks. And suddenly everything I'd built was, there was nothing uh, left. And it was like being in quicksand. And it was like, well, wait, what happened? Now, the company is still thriving, and I still am uh, a consultant for the company. And I love the technologies, and I think everyone needs them. But coincidentally, at that same time, I was thinking, I kept thinking of video. I kept seeing things, you know, podcasts mm -hmm. or um, like you're doing, and TV and, and, and YouTube. And I kept thinking video, and I'd like to make a video about the laws of the universe and how to sing with that and how to really protect yourself and how to move forward healthily on all levels. And, and Gaia kept coming in, and I used to joke with my friends. I said, if ever I worked for a company corporation, which I had never done other than the Royal Ballet, mm -hmm. Dutch National Ballet, because <coughs> I'd been an entrepreneur for so many years. I was like, I would work for Gaia. Gaia is the only company I would consider. So it would, I, I joke about that. Mm -hmm. And people would always say, oh, yeah, you're a perfect match for Gaia. Because I'm forever curious, and Gaia's 9,000-plus videos are like, for me, it's like the, it's the university I always wanted to go to <laughs> that amazing. I never found yeah. in the world. It, there's Gaia, and it is that. And so finally, I was like, well, maybe I had this fantasy. Maybe I should just knock on their door and say, you know, I'm here if you ever need me. I live in Boulder, and you're right here in Boulder. Um, of course, I did, never did that. And then I saw this uh, job opening, and it was funny because most of the jobs are very techie, and I'm not a good techie <laughs> person. So I was always like, oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, creative job. Oh, yeah, no. Can't do all that techie stuff. But there was this one job that wasn't tech. And I said, I could do that. And it was ambassador manager, and it was about helping the, the, the referral program, the rewards program, and that's why you have that, the portal, yeah, Gaia.com. Yeah. You need to make sure, Gaia.com forward slash the council. The council. Go to Gaia.com forward slash the council, and you'll be able to connect into my portal. And yeah, and then connect into Gaia. Connect into Gaia as well, and it is, uh, it's incredible. Gaia's got some of the most amazing shows and programs. 
that are out there that are about spirituality and the evolution of consciousness and, and helping humanity. And it's just a really inspirational place. And yeah. the people are outstanding. I mean, they're just so open-hearted, so incredibly gifted and talented and, and just committed. I mean, you have a yeah. sense of like, wow, this is an extraordinary place. And it's right here. It's right, right here. here. And, and the vision of Gaia is the evolution yeah. of consciousness mm -hmm. through streaming video. We're in 185 countries. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're really doing it. And and my job is to help it grow. And I'm like, this is like a match made in heaven for me. <laughs> I am, And so every day I'm so grateful because, you know, the universe wanted to shift me. It wanted to say, yeah, you know, it's fabulous what you've done. And there's something bigger there's something more important for you to do or different, mm -hmm. a different way of bringing knowledge and wisdom. It's not so much about knowledge because I think we are, we have a plethora of knowledge out there. and mm -hmm. we're, we're subsumed by knowledge. But what we really need is more wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what Gaia brings is mm -hmm. more wisdom uh, to people, you know. And uh, there's, there's things on there that I've thought about and I know you have and I know you have. For, since I was little, mm -hmm. like when I was a teenager, my very first boyfriend took me to see Chariot of the Gods, Eric Von Daniken's new film at that time. And when I saw it, it was about, you know, others coming from other planets and landing on Earth and leaving clues and symbols and ideas and wisdom. And I walked out of the game, well, of course. You know, why not? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't? we be part of a much bigger ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. Why why would we think we're the only ones here? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's really egocentric. That's very well that's very earth centric and egocentric. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I mean if you look at maps of the universe, if you just take a look at pictures of the Hubble telescope and you look out there and you see how big it is and how extensive and then you see the map and our planet is not like this spot on this huge and we're the only life. We're the only place, really? It's bizarre on, that we would and, even think that way. It's not. You know, but we're considered bizarre if we think differently. Yeah. And this is where it's like, you know, really thinking for yourself mm -hmm. and really not allowing the entrainment of our cultures to rule how we think. I find this, you know, with, with getting a little bit older, you know, it's really funny because uh, it's it's the first time I've really experienced prejudice, mm. you know? I, I've never experienced that before. This is so bizarre. Like, why? And I, I think about, you know, the aging. And, yeah, okay, so the body ages, you know, it's yes, it's a fabulous vehicle, and, yeah. and it's going to get metal fatigue sometimes, you know, like, <laughs> a, like an airplane. But I used to fly gliders, so suddenly <coughs> I think of gliders and, f and flying. But, um but, and, and there's a lot to do to keep ourselves youthful and young, you know. But I find often it's in when we close down the paradigms, when we, when we think we know, that's very dangerous. When oh, any of us think that we really know, because there's so much we don't know. And there's so much we don't know that we don't know. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest area of life. And um, I find I'll meet people in their 20s or 30s who feel a lot older than me. And I'm like, why do they feel so old mm -hmm. and it's because they're incalcitrated in and in, in entrained into certain ways of thinking and they're not willing to just open up and say maybe I don't know mm -hmm. or maybe I just was taught that that that's the way science taught me but maybe science is growing and science is you know because I love the intersection of science art and spirituality and how they interplay that's fascinating right absolutely science and art and spirituality combined how does that all mystically fit together and all it's that magic. it's magic and it's it just magic. opens up and i think one of the uh, what i love there's so many fantastic programs on gaia They're, they've got 
Carolyn Mace's Sacred Power. You've got uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's Rewired is like mind blowing. Yes. Uh, yes. Is, you want to understand? Great, great, and it's links. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Teresa Bullard with Mystery Teachings. You know, with the healing and matrix, yes. it, and it blows your mind. And I think that's so good. It we is. We need our mind to be blown because we have to think outside of the little box. Yes. And so, and that keeps us young. I really, really feel like to be forever curious, it keeps us young and vital and vibrant mm -hmm. rather than thinking that we know stuff. Like, I really am very clear that I know very little, very, very little. And there's a lot I know I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to fly an airplane. I know how to fly a glider, but not an airplane. <laughs> And Charlie probably knows how to fly the airplane. I and did when I was at the yeah, academy. You well, did. I did. You did. You did. One of the things when I was uh, when I was in the military because I went to the Air Force Academy and we had to learn how to fly planes. We had, yeah. That was part of our part of our, our our mission. It was just a little you know the biplane, but so yeah, and fun. gliders too. Yeah, I would but, love that. Uh, that was great, you know. Yeah. But I couldn't fly because of my eyes. I had uh, nearsighted vision, so I wasn't able to get into the. the the, yeah. the pilot program. Right. But yeah, you became an officer instead. I became an officer instead. Jolly yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like, I know that I don't know how to do that, you know, but I think right. the biggest area is what we don't know, we don't know. And that's exciting. Yes. And I think it's you, when you when you think you know what you don't know, but you, th you say you know it, that, that leads to separation, that leads mm. to my way is the only way and your way is not, and you don't have a choice now. You've got, I'm right, you're wrong, and if you don't, you don't follow what I say, you're punished for it. And that, that's t tyranny, that's yes. dicta dictatorial uh, behavior, that is oppression, that's where it, uh, that's where it originates. Yeah. And having that sense of openness to, to all things and all perspectives is what the council is really about, is to, to open people from all walks of life, to come here, to be able to sit in council and to talk and to learn and to grow and maybe you're not going to agree with everything that's spoken that's okay no. there's nothing nothing wrong with that but just being able to share in the unique uh, the uniqueness of our humanity there's 7.1 billion people on our planet you know we all got a different perspective and to cherish that really cherish that and and to just to ask I, I think a great question to ask ourselves is you know do I want to be right or do I want to be happy mm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I don't think being right is terribly interesting. We all have a point of view, and of course, we're sharing points of view right now. I brought my children up very, very differently to the way other people did. But you know, they were, they were always super healthy. They never needed antibiotics, ever, ever. Wow. And, and they were never sick. And I mean, a couple of times they got sick, but it, you know, it was just a natural childhood sickness. And so, but, but others would, would criticize, and I'd just be like, well, the proof is in the pudding, but it didn't mean it was right. Mm -hmm. It just meant this is the, the greatest guidance I had, the greatest learning I had from macrobiotics, Nikan technologies, all these other things I'd learned. These were ways I could support my children to be the best they could be. Mm -hmm. So did it make it, was it right, wrong? No, no. But um, it's fun to explore. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I'm just beginning, quite frankly. Yes. Just Isn't beginning it, and the it's journey. A, that youthful journey, and it just keeps you young and, and yeah. vibrant. And, you know, I feel the same way about aging. The more you learn, the more you stay engaged. And, you, you know, even if you can't afford a whole lot, you know, a guy is very, very inexpensive to be able to tap into some of that. There's other places to go to, but keep learning. Keep growing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a passion and an interest, and I think that's how we follow our soul's calling is we – we hear those little things that we that are that that drive us that are, we are connected to for whatever reason, 
and let's follow that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with Gaia, I mean, I do feel so privileged. The people who work there are so creative. We have musicians and writers mm -hmm. and painters and people who have a wealth of knowledge in all kinds of arenas, you know, and it's like eleven ninety nine a month. And I think that's like two lattes with a tip, you know? <laughs> and yet the knowledge, the wisdom, the joy of the community uh -huh. and connecting with people like you, I mean, what a privilege, truly. And I don't say that lightly, like, I, th you know, if you are hanging with the right people, as in, as in the people that you resonate with, and the people that are as excited about life as you are, it's good. Oh, it's contagious. It's good. Oh my gosh, yeah. it feels good. You feel good. You're excited. Yes. You're motivated. You look forward. You wake up eager to book to for the day. I mean, yes. this day will never come again. Let me live it as best I can. And that's like you start to get it. That's you so start to really get it, yeah. and 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 uh, boy, and that's that celebration of life. And and I think so many people need to hear that and need to know that it exists. You need to know that it's out there, it's available to you, and then you can start it right there in your homes with your families. You can start it right there to change your way of thinking and, and opening yourself up to things that are uh, the mysteries of life, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, as far as, you know, with Gaia, it's just spreading the word. It's just word of mouth and letting people know and giving them that option mm -hmm. to say yes or no. And they either say yes or no, whatever, or maybe you're later, whatever. But to just do that, and then Guy wants to reward people to do that, you know, which is just fabulous because that's a reciprocity. Mm -hmm. And reciprocity is like a figure of aid, and, and all great leadership has to do with reciprocity as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. It's this energy exchange, you know, and, and that's why when I interviewed you, it was like, oh, this is so fun and this is so easy. <laughs> and then, you know, Charlie asked me to come on his big show. <laughs> his big show, which, you know, I was like, I didn't know you interviewed people, but I asked you, had I known? Well, it uh, it has uh, boy, what a blessing it's been to to meet and to know you and to to have this exchange and communication yeah. and reciprocity here on on the council today. Uh, I want to just ask a couple of questions. I want to get to your poems here real quick, but I, I know you yeah. have a superpower, right? I have a superpower. Do you have a heck? You have a superpower, <laughs> right? Do you have. Uh, uh, can you communicate with people who've passed on? I can. Yeah. And, and I always have been able to if they choose to come. Oh. And, and, and the key is just to listen and invite, really. To listen and invite. And, and there are many stories of, uh, of communicating, not only with uh, my own parents, too. You know? And wow. actually, after my mother passed, she came and sang to me. And I was like, Mommy, I can hear you really loud and clear, but you're a bit loud. Could you kind of figure out how to tone it down? Because, you, you, you know, it's deafening. <laughs> And my dad, when he passed, we had a whole connection out there uh, and say goodbye. We got mm. to say goodbye. Um, but, but one of the most profound was with a great friend of mine <clears throat> whose father was passing. And for three days, I was there mm -hmm. at the hospice with him. And every night, I'd go home. And then I would just ask his dad, you know, w w is there anything you'd like to say? And I would write down everything. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of lovely messages for his son and his daughter, who also came. And... Uh, and then I said, but you've got to tell me something, you know, I wouldn't know, you know, because otherwise they're going to just think I'm making this up. Mm -hmm. and, and the funniest thing was on that night, I think it was on the first night, he says, blue baseball cap. And that's all he said. Not, nothing else. And then I was like, blue baseball cap? What the heck? So the next day I went to my friend Steve and I was like, Steve, would you like to hear, you know, what your father said? Because he was worried, does he want to go or should I try and keep him here? Yeah. So that was a big question. I was like, ooh, yeah, I don't know. But I did ask and he wanted, he wanted to move on and go back. He wanted to re... He wanted to meet Steve's mother, his wife, who had passed away very young. 
He wanted to be back with her. But I walked in, and there's Steve with a blue baseball cap on. I kid you not. And I was like, "What's with your What's with your cap?" And I, he said, "Oh, didn't I tell you my dad was a baseball player and he played with this team? It's a famous team, and I forgot now in New York somewhere where they have blue." Uh, was so, it the Mets or the Yankees? I forgot. Oh, it was probably it's the, the Mets. I'm I English. Sorry, <laughs> but it was with the blue caps, and this yeah. is my dad's. And I said, "Look at what I wrote," because I had it written down. Blue baseball cap. I didn't know why he said that to me. But he said that. And from that moment, Steve trusted everything that I was saying. I was like, he wants to go. It's okay. He wants you to find a good woman and have a settle down, have a family. Because my friend was, you know, quite the lover, uh-huh. shall we say. Of, not me, uh, but of others. And I loved him. He was great. But he was my friend. And, um, and he did. He found a woman. He settled down, had a kid. It was fabulous. And there were messages for the daughter and, and all of that. So he felt at peace when his father passed and mm. and and I was there when his father passed and his father I, I, I felt him leave I could see him leave up through the top of his head and it was so graceful so beautiful the son Steve and his sister were laughing they were doing the Christmas tree lights at the end of the bed I'd brought a little Christmas tree and angels and brought music Lavina McKenna it was all good and he left and I was the only one actually watching him and I knew and then I didn't say a word because he left in a very private moment and his kids were having a, a good time. They were having fun. And then they turned and were like, Dad, because then they felt it. And I was wow. like, he's gone. Amazing. So I've been That's able to do that for a lot of people who disappeared. Yeah. Kids have died strangely, whatever, you know, whatever, difficult things. Or just a parent has power, not just. It's never wow. a just. But somebody's passed and they just want to know, are they all right? They are all right. They are all right. What a and sacred, what a sacred, sacred honor. To be able to do that for people, yeah. to be able to help them to have peace in their souls about when people pass on. Wow. Especially suicides. Oh, my goodness. Especially with that, it's a really hard what one. A and I was scared to do is. that. Oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. It's good. It's That's a bit, amazing. I'm, I'm happy to be a bridge. It's just being a bridge, <laughs> being a rainbow bridge. It's all that it is and listening. So it's amazing. Listening. Could you share? We are right at the point. We've got a few more minutes left, folks. It's amazing how these shows, they go by so fast and so quick. I can't believe it. Um, would you share a little bit of your poem, your poetry sure. from Songs of Gaia? Yeah. Share, uh, please this is promote what it, it looks like if you want to see the cover. My beautiful friend in Boulder, he made this cover, Greg Lauer. And uh, it was exactly what I wanted, something magical. And the, the sort of magical poems. This, this one, um, Charlie asked me to pick one. And this is a little bit long, so stay with it. Uh, it's a little challenging. Uh, just cause it's a little provocative. <laughs> but in a, in, a, in a good way, I think you'll, you'll find. I hope. I hope that you'll find this. So. And people could buy this book on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. And, okay, Songs of Gaia. Songs yep. of Gaia and... Uh, Devotional Poems to Nourish the Heart. Devotional Poems to Nourish the Heart. And I hope this one nourishes your heart and your heart. Uh, so, And you haven't even heard it yet. I have not. This is going to be so, the first time. So. Here we go. And it's called... It's called Blessing. May all be blessed in this world and all worlds as we float timeless through God's multiverse. May I awaken and bless the fullness of life as the sun shines upon each and every expression of the divine. To bless unequivocally the unity behind this illusion of separation as I walk this walk upon this earth during this particular time of the dawn's new light. May I bless those who use and abuse the earth for their 
betterment. The trees that fall willingly or not under the firm axe of decision. The rivers stained red from the minds of men. May the mothers who abandon their offspring be blessed. Mm. For who knows the twists and turns of their inner torment? May the fathers who abuse their tender babes be blessed. For who understands the deep suffering of their hidden hearts? May the husbands who betray their wives be blessed. For their not knowing the power of their actions is already the karma they live daily. May the wives who've lost all sense of their true selves be blessed, for they were never empowered when young to be real. May the children who condemn their parents be blessed, for their judgments are born of youth's self-righteousness. May they soften with compassion as they grow fully into life's vicissitudes. May the politicians who lie in bed with corporate giants wishing to control this illusion be blessed. They are simply following their own North Star that the rest of us are unable to fathom. May the do-gooders who claim their cause with bold outcry be blessed, knowing we are all innocent and no one is innocent, for everyone buys into the 10,000 things until they don't. May I bless all and all and all as the breeze touches every hair on your head, as the sea flows across the desert scorpions of your mind, as the earth stands holy beneath your weary feet, and as the sun shines from the divine to the divine, as the divine. Wow. That is so beautiful. I know it's a hard one, but ultimately, all is good. All is well. And mm. we are loved. And we are love. Thank you for being here. I give you a hug. <laughs> it's beautiful. You're so welcome. Oh, thank that was you amazing. For having me here, Charlie, uh, and the book is yours. Well, thank you, and I'm going to yes. give you my book as well, I'm so excited. we can trade books and all. Thank there, you. And we will awesome. <laughs> that. So, folks, it's Songs of Gaia, uh, devotional poems to nourish the heart, by Julie Tara. That was. Phenomenal. What, uh, you're an award-winning poet, uh, and I can see why. How can people get in touch with you if they, need to, if they want to know more of your work? And uh... I'm out there, as we all are on social media, so <laughs> Facebook is easy, of course. You know, Julie Tara, um, julietara.com is my website. Um, I'm at Gaia. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, gaia.com forward mm -hmm. slash the council, so that you can learn and you can share videos and, you know, join us um, to uplift the world, yes. to uplift consciousness and empower 
consciousness on this planet. It's what we need at this very important time. It's a very it's a crucible time, as we all know. We all feel it. It is time for us to come together. Mm -hmm. This is why we're coming together. Mm -hmm. It's just time, and and uh, it's time for all of us, right? Holding hands, brothers and sisters, moving together, mm -hmm. really lifting humanity forward. Um, because innately we're good. <laughs> innately we're loved. Innately we are. If you look at a baby, we innately are. We, we know it. You see it. And when you feel it within a human being, another person, and you've traveled there, you, you just know there's something innately good in every human being. And sometimes it's really drowned out, and sometimes the shadows and the darkness of the world blocks that out. Mm -hmm. And we've got to try to be the light of the world mm -hmm. to help them to come up and to show them that there's another way. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to the council today. I uh, want to thank Henry, uh, who's been our, our platform. Henry Archuleta, who is the uh, station manager here. Uh, Henry, couldn't do this without you. I want to thank KUHSDenver.com. KUHS has been here for a long, long time. We've been broadcasting not only out here in Denver, but all across the nation and all around the world. We are being listened to by so many different countries, over 40 uh, I want to thank each and every one of you from wherever you're listening to the show today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for tuning in. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be your host. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, uh, Julie, do you have a quick thing? I always ask my, uh, my guests one real quick thing. Do you have a bit of wisdom, one bit of wisdom from your life experience that you could share? I would say the biggest thing is to keep your heart open no matter what, to not close the heart. Because the heart is connected to the divine heart, and your heart knows the way because the divine heart knows the way. So to keep your heart open and listen and act upon your heart's wisdom. Uh, so such good wisdom. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this has been a joy. This has really been a joy. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into the council. We will be back in a couple weeks. We are going to be talking about Escalapian Dream Healing with Dr. Edward Tick. Uh, thank you so much, folks. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. See you soon. God bless. God bless.